Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. I want to jump into the message today. I'm going to deviate. I'm going to give you a little break from the book of Acts, so not really. I want to just talk to you about relationships, because relationships are important. I I think if COVID has taught us anything, and there's some very valuable lessons that you can learn, God's speaking through this season. Uh, When when we were isolated, and hopefully it it stirred something up in you, and people now are talking about mental health, and and that's a good thing, that it comes to the forefront. But we weren't created to live isolated. We, we were created, God created us to be in relationship with one another. It to, that we're going to need each other. And so he created us that way. So the enemy loves the isolation. It's, 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 the, it's the wolf. The scripture uses that metaphor. The wolf who tries to get the sheep to stray. Because if he can get a sheep away from the herd of the flock, then he knows it's vulnerable. So I want to talk to you about, which I think is probably, uh, it, it's, it's, it's God and others deserve all the praise, goodness, and grace, and favor for if any of us have been successful or God's blessing on your life. It usually comes through God or it comes through a vessel And it can be one of the most rewarding things of your life is that you have a friend. But it can also be the most hurtful thing in your life. And so I want want to, if I were titling this message, how many of you remember that old song, Why Can't We Be Friends? (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to help you. Teenagers are going to hate this message. Parents are going to love this message. And I want to just first take you to Proverbs chapter 27, verse 12, and and it'll all come clear as we go. Proverbs 27 and 12. In fact, this is a message that I preached in 2012, nine years ago. I've been asked twice in the last month if I would redo one of them or redo the series. And I, I, no, yeah. and then this came up again. I went, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reskin this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to re-preach this again for our people, especially now. Because isolation is what the enemy wants to do to you and how you got to press in and push past that. Let me begin this, with this verse out of Proverbs, Solomon writing, the wisest man who ever lived, so we ought to tune into wisdom. He says, the prudent, Proverbs 27 and 12, the prudent see danger and take refuge. The wise see danger and take refuge but the simple or the foolish keep going. Have you, I trained y'all for the yellow. Okay, let's try it again. Pastor Nick has not stayed on top of y'all. But the simple, but the simple keep going and do what? They pay the penalty. And so I, I, I want to, and here, here's a principle, Right? It's not new. To, it's not new. I think Andy Stanley said this first. He said, every road has a destination. And it doesn't matter who's on it. And it's not your intentions that determine your direction. 
or your destination. It's the direction that determines your destination. So you can have the best of intentions. You can get on I-49 right out here, head north and say, I'm intending to go to Lafayette. Some of you are challenged. You don't know north from south. I can tell right now you're going, what's wrong with that? You can get on, it's right out here. You can get out here and turn right. That, that may help you. Okay, somebody got it now. You can go, I'm going to Lafayette. How many of you know you're not going to get Lafayette? Your intentions are right, but your direction is wrong. So it's not your intentions that determine your destination. It's the direction. And I, I illustrated this uh, years ago. My son, William, uh, was about a sophomore in high school, and it was report card time, and he brought one of those report cards home that parents are not happy with. And he was failing in one of his classes. And, of course, we, we had been on him. You know, you know how parents are. You got homework? Did you do your homework? Were you you felt broken record. Yeah, I got it. I'll get it later. You know, just all that. And so, finally, report card came home. We were, like, concerned. He's just not bringing home a lot of books. And uh, I don't know. Will you? Oh, I'm doing fine. Well, report card. How many of you know when the report card comes home, there ain't no hiding. And you got it. So, of course, Heidi's going, I'm going to kill him. I'm gonna, we ask him all the time, what's he doing? I'm gonna, you better talk to him because if I talk to him. I mean, she may look all pretty up in that yellow dress today, but let me tell you something. And so I can remember we got out on the back porch. I said, son, we got to have a talk. We got out there and, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing the dad thing, right? Son, you're failing in this class. It was probably, I don't even remember what it was. It probably had something to do with math. Right, I, I don't know if it was algebra. I don't know if it, I don't remember. And so I said, "Son, you 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 got to buckle down." And then he said, "No teenager has ever said this, Dad. I'm never gonna use it." <laughs> How many of you have ever said that to your parents? I ain't never gonna use it. <laughs> and, and I couldn't I couldn't refute that. I'm like. Yeah, it's probably true. He's probably not. And so I, I just, so I, he's, he's got me stumped for a second. And then I'm praying under my breath, Holy Spirit, give me wisdom. And then finally it hit me. I said, William, what do you want out of your life? What do you mean? Where do you want to end up? What are you talking about? I, I mean, what, where do you want to be when you're my age? I don't understand. I said, look around. We have a nice home. It's not extravagant. It's decent. It's a nice home. Mama has a car. Daddy has a car. We got three kids. We're able to take a vacation a year, once a year. A, a nice one, not extravagant, but a, a nice vacation would this be okay with you if you got to the same destination I'm at? Would you be okay if you're my age and you got to here? Are you okay with that? And he says, well, I mean, this would be bare minimum. <laughs> I said, okay, well, I can work with that. So this would be the low end. If you got to my age 
at my stage of life and you had acquired and could do what we do, you'd say, bare minimum, that would be good. Yes. So you're expecting even more than where we are. That's what I believe is going to happen. Okay. We're, we can get somewhere. So in order to have a little more than what mom and dad have, you're going to have to have a very good job. Okay. In order to have a very good job, you're going to probably have to go to college to get an education. Right. Well, in order to go to college to get your education so that you can have more than what your mom and dad have because you're going to need a good job, then you are going to have to graduate from high school. I'm tracking with you. In order to graduate from high school, you're going to have to go and you're going to have to pass math. He looks at me, the exact words he goes, you're good. <laughs> How many of you know it's not your intentions that determines your destination? It's the direction that determines your destination. So in order to get what mom and dad got, the end of the road, you're going to have to pass your math class. Can I get an amen from the parents in the room? Can I get a little help here? So I want you to remember, I, I, I wanted to, I titled this message 12 years ago. I called it guardrails. And uh, I, I like guardrails. You like guardrails? Yeah, guardrails are put there for a purpose. Guardrails are never put in the danger zone. They're actually put just outside of the danger area. And they're put there to really to direct you, to protect you, to be there, to be placed in your life to keep you from getting into a dangerous area. If you've ever driven across the Chafalaya Basin, how many of you thank God for guardrails? Yeah, it's not, it, the guardrails are there. If you hit them, they'll scrape your car. But if they weren't there, you could, you could cost you your life. And so I want to talk to you about putting some guard, everybody say guardrails. Yeah, about putting the guardrails in your life when it comes to the relationships that are closest to you. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Show me your five closest friends and I can tell you probably where you'll end up. And, and you're going to find out about relationships. And, 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 I, and I thought of this on the way in this morning. Some relationships in my life were only for a season. They were only for a season. But as we get going into this future, who you surround yourself with is going to be very, very, very important. So when you hear Pastor Myron, listen to me, listen to this old man. When you hear Pastor Myron saying to you, hey, men, on Saturday, you got to go, you know what, I need to go to that. Because God may want to bring new relationships in your life that you're going to need to get you to the destination that you want to be at. Ladies, coming in September, Miss Heidi coming back, women's Bible study, small groups, all that's going to be happening. And so you're going to need these relationships in your life. And so when I say guardrail, I love this too. Uh, I, I, I forget, we were, Heidi and I were with, with a couple, 
and we were going to dinner. This is probably a couple of years ago. We were going to dinner, and, uh, and, and they had a really, really, really nice car, like a really nice car. And so they were like, do y'all want to drive, or do you want us to drive? And I said, no, we want to take your car. And I said, and I'm driving. Oh, okay, because I'm the pastor. So I got in. I got in the car. I've never experienced this before, and now cars do it all the time. But when you got close to the line, like on the road, it would, it would buzz. It would vibrate your seat. And I was like, what, what was that? She go, oh, it's got this little sensor on it that if you get close to the line, it'll buzz. It'll, it'll say, I love you. That's what it does. It's, just, it's, it's like a conscience. And when you get close to the line, it buzzes. And, and so she goes, we can turn it off. And I go, oh, no, I quite enjoy it. <laughs> and so what is that? It was the conscience. And can I tell you what the Holy Spirit is? The Holy Spirit is your conscience. When you get close to the line, it should buzz. It should, I love you. Don't go there. That's not a good relationship. It's not a good friendship. And so I want to talk to you in zero in when it comes to that. When we were kids, all of us had somebody that your mama wouldn't let you hang out with. There was that house down the street that your mama would say, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh, you ain't going down there. Or or you got invited to go spend the night, and she said, no, that ain't happening. Everybody track it with me. Why? Because your parents already innately knew something that those closest to you are going to determine where you end up. I want you to think about this. First beer you ever drank. I know we're in South Louisiana. You're probably four. <laughs> First cigarette you ever smoked. You, you probably were with a friend. In fact, my other mamas probably said that about me. You know, you ain't staying at his house. Because friends can help determine where you end up. And so I want, I want to zero in now. And by the way, now that we're parents, it's different now. A little bit different now that we're parents. I mean, some of you got the apps on your phone. You know where your kids are at all, all time. I mean, some of you mamas could work for the FBI. Y'all would have found Osama bin Laden four, year, four years before they found him. If some of you mamas, you, you, you're on this thing. What your friends determine the direction and the quality of your life. Friendships. So the things that make friends so wonderful is also the things that make them so dangerous. Why why did you even get in the group of friends that you got into? I I can tell you why, because there's something about that, something that we all crave. It, it's, really, it's really acceptance, to be accepted. And so we get sucked in because we're accepted. And, and it's something that human nature uh, uh, craves. And so it's, it's the, to be accepted. It's why it's important. Look at me right here because I want to look at everybody look right here at me. It's why, it's why we can't get too religious. And I don't mean following Jesus. I mean we can't get religious. Because the church ought to be the most accepting place on the planet. 
because all of us are in here with spots and wrinkles. We've got a history and a past, and people are different spots on their journey, and they're going to walk in, and this ought to be the most accepting place on the face of the earth. Can I get an amen? Accepting. So if friends can impact you negatively, then friends can also impact you positively. There's not a baptism that we've done. There's not, there's, there's not a testimony that we've ever given on a video screen or to, to give publicly that someone doesn't give somebody else part of the credit of the story. Well, I was here, and then someone reached out to me, and, and, and they, I'm here today to give my life to Jesus and be baptized, and I must thank Jesus and thank my friend. So it, it works both ways. A friend can either lead you to the wrong path or can lead you to the right path. Every, every story. And, and, and I've heard people say things like this. I hear what you're saying, Pastor Eugene, but I'm not going to let my friends influence me. You miss the point. It's not a choice. It is the nature of relationships that you are influenced by them whether you want to be or not. Can I get an amen from somebody old in the house? Well, in fact, let, let me show you this, Proverbs 13 and, and, and 20. Watch this. When you walk with the wise, you Okay, so that, that seems pretty, when you walk with wise people, you're going to become wise. Doesn't, doesn't say they're going to teach you how to, it just says, no, if you'll just walk with them, it will, it will come off of them and it will get on you. It's the nature of relationships. So I love this, walk with the wise and you become wise. And then it says, for a companion of fools, you would think you would read it like this. This is how I would have written it. Hey, if you walk with the wise, you become wise, but if you walk with fools, you become a... But that's not what it says. It says, if you walk with the wise, you become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Wow. Okay, what do you mean walk with wise, walk with wise? I, I, I so appreciate uh, Pastor Jacob and Michelle because uh, I think the most important, I tell, oh, I've told him this many times, and Heidi and I have communicated this to them. The loudest message that they preach is not from a pulpit. The loudest message that they preach is that he's a really good husband, and she's a really good wife. And they got that thing going on, their, their relationship. When we've, we've known them for 35 years, but we moved here 20 years ago. I thought Heidi and I had a pretty good marriage. I thought, man, we, we got a good, we got it going on, girl. And then we moved here and got close to them. Because when you walk with the wise, you become wise. And how many of you know this? You don't know how crooked your stick really is until you lay it down to, next to a straight one. And so we laid our marriage down compared to theirs. And we went, I went, rut row, I got work to do. And, and so, but we learned by walking with them, we get wisdom started coming on me. Because Heidi, she'd make sure I got the hint. She said, did you see, he opened the door for her. What was she really saying? You need to open the door for me. And I would say, well, did you see, she made his coffee for him. If you walk with the wise, you become 
And what he done, what Solomon is saying to us is no, but when you're a companion of a foolish person, when you're a friend to a fool, to one, what does a fool mean? It means a fool. To one who lives their life as if there was no God. When you're that companion, he's saying to you, one day they're going to blow up. They're going to explode. And when they do, if you're too close, you're going to suffer the shrapnel from it. It is going to harm you. Come on, somebody old in this room. Say, I've seen it. Yep. So, you're at risk. Here's the warning. You're at risk of something bad happening to you if you'll run with fools. Again, the warning is not that you'll become a fool. The warning is, is that you're going to be hurt when it blows up. How do you know if they're a fool? Do you really want to know if your friend's a fool? I'll tell you how you can do it. Here's a test. Correct them. Correct them. You'll find out if, if your friend is a fool. Why? Because the fool always rejects what wisdom. You know how many times I've brought men aside and said, hey, bro, bro, you can't talk to your wife like that. Many of the men, wisdom, what would a wise man do? Thank you, you're right. I, I received that. Thank you, I received that. What's a fool do? Oh, who you think you are. So if you got a friend, you're not sure if they're in the wise zone or the fool zone, next time correct them. They'll let you know what zone they're in. And, and wisdom, Solomon is warning us, I'm telling you, your foolish friend one day is going to explode. You already know it. You already, when you're around them, you already feel that the conscious is going off. The guardrail is there. By the way, look at me. We're not talking about, we're not talking about religious standards. I'm talking about putting something in your life that protects you from the danger. Think about your greatest regrets. How did I make some stupid mistakes early on in, in, our, in our marriage when it came to money? Stupid. Foolish. Thank you, brother. <laughs> Foolish. You know what we did? We go, let's put a guardrail. Let's, let's turn on the sensor. Let's put a guardrail in place. So we said, okay, what's the, what are we going to do? Okay, we'll never make a major, major uh, purchase without being in total agreement and praying about it first. What was that? That was just a guardrail. I'm not putting that on you. I'm saying that's what we did. We just put a guardrail to say, we're not doing that again. Let's put a guardrail. We'll never do it. There's been times I've come and said, baby, we need to get this. And she's going, mm, no, nah. no, nah, I feel good about that. Okay, then we won't do it. There's been vice versa. We need to do this. No, baby, we need to wait. We need to pray about this. And so it's been a guardrail. Everybody track it with me. And so I want to make sure that you put some guardrails in your life and so that uh, warning you about these foolish friends. Look at me. Listen to me. Friends who don't look out for their marriage won't look out for your marriage. Friends who will cheat others will one day cheat you. Friends that will lie to others 
will lie to you. Friends who are irresponsible with their money will be irresponsible with yours. Friends who don't have guardrails won't respect your guardrails. Friends can be dangerous, and danger requires guardrails. You've got to get that sensor back on, the conscience, let it beep in your heart. So here's moms and dads, listen real carefully, because you already know this, moms and dads, because you've already walked through it. You've already went off the basin bridge before, trying to protect your children from the same thing. And so your conscience should light up when, when, when you should hear the beep, when, you're, when, you're, when your group of friends are moving in directions that you don't want to go. Beep. Zzz, zzz. Or how about this? When you catch yourself pretending to be someone other than who you really are when you're with them. It's getting real quiet up in here. Yeah, when you when you here at church, you're brother so and so, but when you're with them, you're the playmaker. When you feel pressure to compromise, when something that has not been a, a temptation to you becomes a real option, I'm going to tell you a story on the end. Hold on. When you hope that people that you care about the most don't find out where you've been and who you were with. I know friends are complicated. It, it could be the greatest blessing to you or it could be, it could be detrimental to you. They, they, can, they, they can be tough. And so I, I wanna, I'm, gonna, I'm just going gonna, gonna to land the plane. It's going to take me a few minutes to do that. And creating a guardrail can be painful. All right, so I'm going to tell a story. If you tell anybody else this story, I'm going to tell them that you're lying. I just want to just get it out there. Back in high school, when I was in high school, and uh, I don't know if my mom and dad are here. They usually sit in this direction over here. Uh, my mom and dad got saved, born again, and then told me, you're going to church, and we've turned you over to God. I've shared that story with you before, and it scared me. I was like, what does that mean, you turn me over to God? You belong to the Lord. We can't do anything with you, so we've turned you over to God. What is God going to do to me? I mean, I believed there was a God. I mean, it was, it was like, I'm not serving God. I mean, church, I don't want to go to church. Who goes to church? And so mom and dad were really the chain breakers for our family. And I was giving them all kinds of trouble. And, you know, they, they, made the, they set the rules, the new rules. You live in this house, you go to church. What if I don't want to go to church? Then you need to find a new place to live. We've turned you over to God. I was like, just like that? That's it? We're done? Go to church or get the hell out? In my heart, the hell out of my heart? That's, that's ridiculous. But it's what I need. It shook me, right? Because I'd be laying in bed at night and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, he'll mess with you. 
He'll come and he'll, he'll mess with you. And I could hear, we've turned you over to God. And then I'd hear something like, you're mine. I'm his. What does that mean? And so I was a part of a band. I was the lead singer of a band in high school. We were just a garage band. And so we, were, we started playing gigs. Like we started getting these gigs to play. And so we, we started rolling. I mean, so on Friday nights and Saturday nights, we out, we out gigging. And you know where you gig, right? Yeah, it ain't church. And so we out gigging. Oh, yeah, we out doing all that. We gigging. And, man, we're starting to roll. We're starting to catch, catch a little traction, a little fire. Everybody, our, 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 we're getting booked now. We booked in advance. Like, man, can y'all come back? Can y'all do this? Man, this is awesome. I, I mean, we had a manager that had passed out cards at the, at the gigs. And we're like, man, we are rolling. And then I go to church because I had to go to church. And then one Sunday night, I give my heart to Jesus. I mean, I'm convicted because I belong to God now. And I'm lost. I'm going to hell. Victor, come help me out because I need music on this part. <laughs> I'm, go- I'm going to hell. I get born again. I give my life to Jesus. I got born again. I was like, I'm, I'm, sick. I'm sick of doing this. I'm fighting my parents. I'm fighting me. I'm fight- and I'm fighting God. I can't fight him anymore. And I, I, I gave my heart to Jesus. And I got up. I mean, I, I prayed. I was third row. Prayed, Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. I, I'm sorry. I, I need help. I'm sorry. Would you please forgive me? I've been terrible. I've disrespected my parents. I've disrespected you. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. And he did. I got up off my knees. Third row. Got off my knees. I felt lighter. I could have run around that church. And it was one of those churches where you could. I felt like, that's what I felt like. I felt like running and leaping. Like the weight of the world was off of me. And I come home. I was like, Mom, Dad, I'm sorry. I gave my heart to Jesus. They were excited for me. And I called my friend. My best friend. We were, we were like third grade friends. My best friend. We played ball together. We, he was the drummer in the band. We used to sit on the bus in third grade. And he had a Scooby-Doo lunchbox. And he could, play, he could do the beats in third grade. I mean, this kid, he's a natural. And he would play and I would sing. The kids would yell back, sing, uh, whatever. And I would sing on the bus every day. Every day. It was like my stage. I would stand at the back of the bus. Bus driver would say, sit down. And I would sing. And they would yell back requests. And I would, I would sing, sing, you know, whatever. Back in the day it was Motown stuff, you know. Yes. Woo. Praise God. I just sing. I mean, we were friends. We were tight. I get saved. 
I call him. Jeff, could you come over? Yeah, I'll stop by. He stopped by the house. We walked into my bedroom. I can remember sitting. We had, had two twin beds, one for my brother, one for me. And he was sitting on the other, and we were looking at each other. What's up, man? I said, I'm quitting the band. What? I said, I quit the band. I have to quit. He says, why? I said, I can't do it anymore. I gave my life to Jesus. I got born again. (laughs) He goes, I'm Catholic. It's cool. How many of you know Catholic folks could get away with a lot more (laughs) than I could? And and I just said, bro, I I, I hear you. And he goes, I got it. Dude, 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 listen. Here's what we're going to do. Here comes the compromise. Here's the compromise. We'll play Friday night, Saturday night, and then we'll find a church that we can play in on Sunday. We'll do Friday night, Saturday night, and then we'll do Christian music on Sundays. We, we can do it at your church. If they'll have us, we'll play at your church. I said, bro, I don't think it works like that. I, I can't live the dual life. I mean, I love, man, you're my friend, man. You're, you're going one way, and I think i got to take another path. I think I'm going a different direction than you. He's like, man, I can't believe you're doing this. I said, man, I'm sorry, but I can't do it anymore. I love you, man, but I, I, I can't. I just can't do that anymore. And he walked out. I don't think we ever talked after that. I haven't seen him. I think that might have been the last time I saw him. Till this past year. Our lead guitar player died of a heart attack and I did the funeral I'm preaching the funeral and I look out there and there he is after the funeral we were able to meet and of course he comes hugs on me and just man so good to see you man I've heard all the stuff man praise God listen You did the right thing. You chose the right path. Remember, it's your direction, not your intentions, that determines your destination. Guardrails. I had to put a guardrail and say, I can't, I I know, I'm not saying singing on Friday night would have been the detriment of me, but I know what's on the other side of that guardrail that's going to get me into trouble. It's going, I can't go there because it's what, what is there gets me too close to the temptations. I've got to put a guardrail in my life that that's someplace I'm not going to go anymore because it could take me and suck me back into that old life again. Some of you need to pick up what I'm laying down. Look at me. The days ahead are dark. And that temptation is going to be there for you to suck you back into it. I listened to a podcast yesterday, Pastor Chris Hodges. Many of you know him. He's been here before, Pastor Chris. Talking, he just wrote a new book about the cave 
about being depressed and depression. And he said, thank God I have a friend. I said, I got two friends that I have said to them, look at me. Here's on my worst day, here's what I would do to escape. Now, I don't know what that was because he didn't say it publicly. But he's saying he let his friends know, look, if I'm going through a bad time, I will jump over the guardrail and here's what I would do. Could you please help me that that would never happen in my life? Friends, friends, friends. Do you have a friend that will call you up and call you out who loves you like a brother or a sister? Look at me. All of you are thinking of somebody right now that you go, mm, if I could just get them out of my life. Whoo, Pastor you, I don't know how I'm going to untangle all this. Let me ask you this question. If one year from now, if we could just fast forward, one year, that you could undo that relationship and no one was hurt, and there was no pain, would you do it? I'd do it. If there was no hurt and there's no pain, I would do it. Get me. The companion of a fool will suffer harm. You're just going to have to choose which pain you want to take. You know who you're talking about. You know who I'm talking about. You go, ooh, this is for me today. Because the friends around you will determine your destiny as well. And they'll either lift you up or one day they'll tear you down. And you're going to have to be very, very careful who you let inside that inner circle of your life. Are y'all picking up what I'm laying down? So if you could do it, would you do it? The answer is yes. And listen, don't walk out of here and go, yeah, I was at church today and Pastor Eugene told me, cut you out of my life. <laughs> Let me help you do it. You want me to help you do it? I'll help you do it. Because they're going to call you. Hey, girl, what you doing? Yeah, listen, we, me and the girls, we getting together. We going. And you go, you know what? I'm not going to be able to make it. Thank you. But hey, let me invite you girls to Miss Heidi's Bible study in September. And they'll go, Bible study? Yeah. Or hey, bro, we, me and the boys are going to go, and we're going to get some brew, and we're going gonna to, oh, you know what? I'm not going to be able to make it, but hey, this Saturday at 7.30, some of the men at the church are getting together. I'd like to invite you to come. Are y'all tracking with me? Yeah. All you're doing right there is just putting a little guardrail there to protect you from danger zone. They know where you stand and you know where they stand. And let me, if you'll just walk out like that, I promise you one day they'll quit calling you or they'll actually come, get born again, saved, and thank you because they'll be saying your name when they get baptized. Thank you for doing that. Are y'all tracking with me this morning? Do you receive this word? Let's pray together. Father, you, Holy Spirit, you do what you do. Right now, you're already speaking to some hearts in the very room. 
that even some of the anxiety that we faced over this last year didn't even originate in our own heart. It originated because we have a friend, sometimes a foolish friend. And Lord, you're speaking to us. This is the day and the hour, Father, that we must cling to the brothers and sisters of this cross to grab together, to walk through, Father, the dark seasons that we're going to walk through. We're not fearful. No, quite the opposite. We're full of faith. And Lord, I know you want to bring some brand new relationships into our life. You're not done yet. And so I pray over this congregation, even these opportunities that are coming, this Saturday, this Saturday, that man, maybe a man is going to connect with someone in the room. We need a brother. Father, so we just ask in the name of the Lord that even the parting of these relationships, that Father, you'd give us wisdom, you'd give us direction, and even guide our conversation, that they'd be full of love. That Father, one day we'll be able to look back and see, I was glad I placed that guardrail in my life that I didn't have to suffer the harm. So we receive your word today, Father. You said if we walk with the wise, we'll become wise. And so I ask in Jesus' name that you would raise up a house full of wise men and women and bring those relationships into our life that we desperately need and that we can become the wise for those who need it as well. So today, every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to give you an opportunity The scripture says about this Jesus that we serve that he would be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He would never leave you and he would never forsake you. Today he's here. He loves you. He's not mad at you. In fact, he came and lived this sinless life, died on a cross so he could pay the price, the penalty for our sins. And that same Jesus said out of his own mouth, You can't see the kingdom and you can't enter the kingdom until you've been born again. And maybe today you're lost. You don't know the Lord. You were like me running, running, and running, and you're tired of running. Surrender. Give your life to him. He'll forgive you of every sin you've ever committed. He'll prepare a place for you in heaven. And he's here today to receive you. All you have to do is ask. If that's you today and you're ready to be born again, you go, how do I do it? It's easy as A, B, and C. Admit you're a sinner. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. B, believe that Christ came to be our sin bearer, to take your sin, your guilt, and your shame, and then confess him as the Lord, the boss of your life. If that's you today, I want to pray for you. Would you just slip your hand up around this room and say, I'm ready. Today's my day. I want to be born again. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hands. Thank you. I see it. Anybody else, hold it up high. Don't be ashamed. Thank you. Let's pray, congregation, with these who've lifted their hand. Let's pray out loud. Mean this from your heart. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go. And that you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, purpose on this earth, and a relationship with the Father. So today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again.
Let's declare this. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give God all the praise?